Well, again, guys, thanks for coming this morning. Uh, just a couple announcements uh, before I get into my teaching. Um, first, we want to give it up to the guys who made breakfast. Fred, Ron. Fred, Ron, Bob, and Justin. Thank you, guys. It was great. Um, also, Benjamin asked that we break down the chairs and the table after the meeting and set up for tomorrow. Um, is there anybody that can take leadership of that? Luke? Okay, great. Thank you. Also, don't, if you haven't contributed, uh, consider doing that. Uh, put in a dollar or two or three in the basket. Okay, great. Uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> write your credit card number on a on a piece of paper, and we'll be glad to put them out in. <laughs> okay, Phil. Phil's going to cover you. Our, our next men's meeting is January 31st. Uh, John will be teaching on marriage, uh, specifically on husbands growing in their relationship with their wives. Also, we have a men's retreat this year, March 15th and 16th. It's actually the first time that we're going to be together as a church just by ourselves. We, you know, we've, we've had some retreats in the past few years with other churches, which has been great, but we're just going to have it in-house this year, and we've our history has been we've had great times when we've done that. So that's going to be at Mount Shepherds in Ashboro, not Asheville, Ashboro. So it's only an hour and a half away. So please put it on your calendar, make it a priority, be praying for that. Uh, March 15th and 16th, so Friday uh, and Saturday. And we'll get more details out on that. And then one last uh, announcement, uh, we're, we're going to have two book studies uh, for men this year. Uh, they kind of go along with our teaching today on spiritual growth. Uh, Fred Wolf is going to lead, uh, he did this a few years ago, he's going to do a book study on Finally Free, which is talking about uh, the fight for purity in terms of uh, pornography and just um, sexual purity in your heart and mind. Uh, we don't have any details yet on that. So if you're interested in that, though, talk to Fred. We want to find out the best time to have these book studies. Uh, so talk to Fred, tell him you're interested, and we will get out more details to you, but you can start by just talking to him and say, I need that, or I desire that. The other one is, uh, it's going to be on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, David Clark and I will be leading that. Uh, so again, we're going to be using the, the, the book, um, Donald Whitney's uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. So David, if you, have, if you are interested in that, and talk to David, we're going to try to work around his work schedule. So um, consider attending one of those two book studies. Well, before we start, I want to I honor my wife. Um, we went away last week for our 45th anniversary. We were out west. Um, first of all, she should be honored for living with me for 45 years. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> and so yesterday, we're driving to the airport, and... I, I find out like an hour or so out that partly due to my own mistake, but also because of the, the, the rental car company that I uh, used, that I told them I was flying out of Fresno, and they said, okay. 
And then I find out, well, they don't really have a, a location in Fresno. And there's a $3,000 pickup fee or whatever. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're driving in, and I'm thinking, well, I could fly home, and Connie could take the car to San Francisco, which is three hours away. But I thought, I am not going to say anything. Uh, and I thought, Lord, if you, if you want to, if she brings that up, then I'll discuss that. And uh, so about five minutes later, she said, why don't I drop you off? And I said, well, I thought about that, but I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And, uh, and she basically told me, uh, I'm a big girl, and I can, I can do this. And so that's what happened. She, she dropped me off so I could come home for the meeting, and uh, she drove to San Francisco. Uh, she flew out late last night, uh, so she's flying in later this morning. So I have a wonderful wife and helpmate. So I praise God for her. Well, one of the goals of our um, men's ministry is to help us define what a Christian man is. You know, what is his disposition? How does he think? How does he act and behave? How does he live his life? Um, and the essence of that is found in Scripture. We actually see it lived out in front of one another. We, we're encouraged by seeing Christ in other men. But the origin of it is in God's Word and in Christ. And so I want you to open up to 1 Timothy 4. Um, we're going to start look, <clears throat> reading from verse 6, but, you know, First and Second Timothy are letters from Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. And so we get insight into the things that the apostle is stressing to his beloved disciple as how to live out his faith. So as I read this passage, I want you to capture Paul's heart for Timothy, but also for us as Christian men. So in verse Six, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, having trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God. That's part of what it means to be a man. We have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save yourself and your hearers. Well, we have a rich heritage of godly men in our church. You know, it's been a strength for us since the beginning of our church. 
I remember when John McLeod first came to our church, he, he commented, he said, I, I have never been in a church where so many men show up for a men's meeting or, or come to a men's retreat. He just saw men who were committed to walking with God and growing in God and leading their families. They were committed to the local church. And so it's been a blessing for us as a church to have strong men. Um, and like any blessing that God grants us, we never want to assume that that will continue as it's been uh, in the past. And part of being a godly man is that we continue to grow in our faith and put our life, and not put our life on cruise control. We can all be tempted to do that. You know, last week we were, Connie and I were at Yosemite, and we went to see the sequoias. And so when we were there, I read that one of the things that is unique to sequoia trees is that they never stop growing. Like other trees will eventually stop growing, but a sequoia, as long as it's alive, keeps growing. And we need to take a lesson from the sequoias. As men, we need to keep growing. And you might be tempted to think that guys my age can take it easy spiritually to take their foot off the pedal and to coast. But if you ask any man in their 60s and 70s, they will will probably tell you, no, I, I can't do that. None of us can coast because living in, the, in a fallen world for the Christian is like walking on one of those moving walkways at the airport, only you're actually walking against it. You're not walking with it. it it's walking against it. So you can get to where you want to go, but you need to make effort. Because in this life, the world, the flesh, and the devil are always present and always seeking to resist our growth in godliness. So if you stop making an effort, if you start to coast, uh, and you stop walking the walk, you'll begin to drift backwards. So no one can, can coast. Philippians 3 gives us a good picture of the life of the Christian and the Christian man. Paul writes, not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's an upward call of God on each of our lives, whether you're young, whether you're old. And that's the calling to keep growing as a Christian man. So let's pray and ask God for help as we look deeper into this calling. Lord, we do, we do thank you. We thank you for the songs that we sang this morning about Christ being our King. Jesus, we, we worship you this morning. We acknowledge you as King we take strength that you're reigning. And Lord, we, we need your help. We want to be like the, the sequoial trees that are continuing to grow. That people might say, say, there is an oak of righteousness. There is a man trusting in God and he is an evergreen because 
He's bearing fruit in his life. He's continuing to grow. Lord, grant us the spirit this morning. Grant us your grace, not only as we hear this teaching, but as we go and live our lives, then we might continue to pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you might ask, um, why do I need to keep growing, especially if it requires effort? Right? We all have an inner couch potato. Right? I mean, I know for myself, left to myself, I would just you know, watch sports and movies and eat pizza. Right? Or even you know, more sinful things. Um, well, our text gives us a sober reason for growth in verse 16. Uh, This verse follows Paul exhorting Timothy concerning the importance of growing as a man of God and what's required to do so. And he tells him in verse 16, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, one commentary defines this word save as deliver out of danger and into safety used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty, the penalty and the power of sin. And in the first chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul mentions that some have shipwrecked their faith. They have rejected waging the good warfare, it says. You know, they started to coast. They, they stopped being active in their pursuit of God. Do you want to keep yourself from shipwrecking your life and your faith and those of your family? That's a reality. That could happen to us. Well, then embrace the fact that the Christian life is an active pursuit of the Lord and a continual growth in his grace. You know, our children and our grandchildren and our young people need us to disciple them both in word and and indeed, and part of that deed is to continue to grow in God, to continue to pursue God and grow and love Him. And our example of continuing to grow as Christian men has a tremendous effect on our spiritual life and that those that we're close to, and even those that we may not be that close to, people that may be viewing your life from afar. You know, I was true in my own life when I when I heard the gospel as a young person. I did not come to Christ for three years. But during those three years, there was people in my life, some of them I was close to, some of them I was just viewing from afar. And they kept calling me to follow Christ, not so much by their words, but by their lives. I saw a genuine uh, Christian life in them. People that was evident, they were living for God. And in, so in, in a sense, I was w- without excuse. You know, Romans tells us, none of us, all of us are without excuse before the Lord. But I was doubly so because uh, they, they, they were living this life. They were testifying to the grace of God. And so in some ways, I was saved by their life. That is, God worked his salvation process, he used them in my life. And we have that same responsibility and blessing to do for others. Aren't you personally encouraged when you see other men genuinely living for God? 
I am. You know, and that, that includes even repentance. When you see a Christian man repent of sin and have genuine sorrow, that, that encourages other men, encourages me, not only as a pastor, but as a brother in the Lord. Especially because I've seen so many times when that doesn't happen. The person doesn't repent. So this is one of the great motivators for godly living. It will save both ourselves and those around us. And that's a high and sober calling to live in a way that others say, I want to be like him. I want to be like Gary Rule or Ron Jones or Bob Walton or Chip Henderson. Or I could, I could go on and on about men who are in their um, older years. In fact, if you're, if you're in your 60s or your 70s, can you stand up? <laughs> or, or raise your hand. Come on, stand up, stand up. Everybody but Phil must, all right. Now, these guys, these guys are old. <laughs> no, these guys are worthy of honor because they have lived lives that are worth emulating. And I thank you for that, brothers. Isn't it great to see Phil on a Sunday morning at the Prophecy Mic exhorting us to live for God? It is. It is for me. But you don't have to be old to set an example. In fact, young men, in verse 12, we read, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. How? In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So whatever age we are, we can live for God and in a sense, live for others. Another motivation for Christian growth is that the fact that God's grace will help and empower us to do what he commands us to do. And that is good news, brothers, because we are weak and sinful men. You know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he, he has this rhetorical question, who is sufficient for these things? Right? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. No one is sufficient to do what God has commanded us to do. But then he goes on to say, but God has made us sufficient. By his grace, he has made us sufficient. You know, the, the doctrines of grace are wonderful. And one of the doctrines of grace says, we did not choose Christ, but he chose us. And so the, the grace that saves us also sustains us and also empowers us to keep growing. And his amazing grace will help us overcome the resistance of the world and the flesh and the devil because we are, we are all prone to wonder, right? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But God's power, his grace is there for us. And it should be our regular practice to daily come to God and to drink, drink deeply from the eternal fountain of his grace. 
to come to his throne of grace where we receive mercy and grace in time of need. That characterizes a Christian man. He realizes he needs that. And he's continually filling himself with the grace of God and the power of God. And here, grace can be defined as the undeserved power of God towards us to do whatever God has called you to do. You know, he's, he's called us to do certain things in, the, in, in his holy scripture, but also in your individual life, whether you're married or single, or you're younger or you're old, he will give you the grace of God, the power of God to walk in this season of life. So we need his grace and the filling of the spirit daily. See, it's not our own strength, but it does include effort. There's a difference. It's not our own strength. The Christian life is not to be lived in our own strength, but it does require effort. We'll talk more about that. So I want to shift and and talk about growing in specific areas. You know, spiritual growth is one of our church's core values. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is not only the need to keep growing, but to ask two questions. Um, they, in some ways, they're, they're, they're very similar questions, but they're different. First one is, where do I need to grow? And the second one is, where do I want to grow this coming year? So the first one, where do I need to grow? I want you to be asking that question. There may be some very obvious areas that you're either weak in or areas where you're not only not growing, but sinning in. And you need to repent and grow in godliness in those areas. Maybe you're not leading your family spiritually. You're abdicating. And it's causing real issues with your children and your wife. Or maybe it's laziness. Now, Young men, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I I know that that can be a besetting sin for young men. Um, And maybe that's true with you. Maybe it's not, but you could be an older man and be lazy. Or maybe it's an an area like sinful anger or sexual impurity. Areas that if you're honest, you would say, yes, those things are dominating my life. I'm somewhat enslaved to them. And these are areas that, if not repented of, can cause you to shipwreck your life and those of your family. So the first question is, where do I need to grow? Are there any glaring areas that you say, yes, this is an area I need to grow in? The second question has to do with, where do I want to grow? There, There may be areas where you have a desire to grow and be more fruitful. You know, when Mickey Conley, our friend from Charlotte, was here a number of years ago, he ended up his message in in terms of a response, and he said this. He put people in three categories. He said, um, people who need to start it up, people who need to step it up, or people who need to keep it up. And so when you look at where do I want to grow, take take an area like evangelism. Um, A person might say, you know, I've, I've never really shared my faith with anybody. I, I need to start it up. I need to begin to do that. Um, or there, you may be in a situation where you say, yeah, I, I kind of do that every once in a while, but I'm very inconsistent in that. That person, their goal may be to step up, to be more consistent in that area of growth. And then there are those who may 
be, they're, they're actually consistently um, sharing their faith and their goal might be, I want to keep that up because they realize it's only the grace of God that's allowing them to do that and they need the grace of God to continue it. So as I move through the teaching, you should be asking yourself and the Holy Spirit. And he's really good about helping us. He knows us like no one else. He searches us and knows us. He's our helper, our advocate, our counselor. We should be asking ourselves and the Holy Spirit, where do I need to grow? Where do I desire to grow? Because if we're not specific about where we need to grow, we will hinder the process. You know, the old adage, aim for nothing and you'll probably hit it. There's some real truth in that. And Proverbs actually talks about that. One of the Proverbs says, the discerning sets his face towards wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. See, a person can want to grow in big ways and do great things for God, which is, we should desire that. But unless he sets his heart on wisdom, he'll be frustrated. And wisdom includes, includes having specific areas to grow in. Biblical wisdom is very practical and specific. You know, just read the book of Proverbs. It's very practical. You know, how many times have you gone to a conference or heard a teaching or a lecture and it really moved you and you had a genuine desire to grow in that area and then you went home and it, forgot about it because you weren't specific about where do I need to grow and you, come, and you didn't come up with a plan and we'll, we'll talk about that at the end. But So there, there's, there's <clears throat> to grow, we need to ask ourselves specifically, where do I need to grow? So to help stir your mind and heart about maybe some areas to think about, let me give you some categories where we as men need to grow. And as I, as I do, I want you to be asking the question, where do I need to grow this coming year? So first of all, one it would be in the area of godliness. That is, areas of godly character that you need to grow in. Um, and again, we all need to grow in all these areas, right? But again, there may, there's maybe specific things that you know or the Spirit of God is putting his finger on um, for you this morning. Maybe there's areas like humility, growing in humility. Maybe you know that you're a proud person. Or gentleness, and you need to grow in gentleness and self-control instead of anger. Maybe it's as simple as the fact that you are like habitually late, and you, you need to break that habit. Or maybe you need to grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Areas like love, patience, gentleness, faithfulness. Maybe a lack of these have gotten you into trouble, or you are keenly aware that you're deficient in certain areas. Another area will be spiritual disciplines. Again, we're having a book study about that. And there's a number, a number of spiritual disciplines, but I think the twin towers of the Christian life, in a sense, the things that you always come back to are being strong in God's word and in prayer. That, that, will, that will never change. Uh, and that's especially true for a Christian man. 
we see in verse six of our text, talks about Timothy being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that, you, that he had been following. You know, the main way that God communicates with us is through his word. Yes, he communicates to us through his spirit and through his people, but the main way is through his written word. And one of the things that a Christian man should always be thinking about is, what does God's word say about this or this? You know, that, that, what, what is God's word? What's the perspective of God? And to be able to know that, we must be in God's word. Or maybe you need to grow in prayer. <clears throat> prayer is where the Christian man goes to find strength every day. We, we need strength every day. We, it's where we exchange our weakness for God's strength and our sinfulness for his overcoming grace. You know, it's part of the great exchange. Right? There was a great exchange when we came to Christ. We exchanged our sinful, our sins for his righteousness. That's the really great exchange. But then as we go into the Christian life, we're, we, we come to him in prayer in our weaknesses, and he gives us strength. <clears throat> it's also, prayer is also the place where we carry, we carry those that God has given us to care for. You know, we should be carrying our wives and our children and our grandchildren and our church in prayer. You know, the older guys have a prayer meeting that we meet twice a month, and I know that when we go into that meeting, we're going to spend 40 or 45 minutes carrying our church, carrying our community, um, carrying our families in prayer. And we should be doing that. Or maybe you need to grow in your marriage. And John's going to speak to that in our next men's meeting, but don't wait to then. If that's something that the Spirit of God is putting in his finger on in your life, we want to start today. Or parenting, are you discipling your children? And if so, what's your plan? You know, Daniel gave a great teaching, uh, was that two years ago? I think so. But regardless, you can find it. Um, I remember Josiah uh, Rule, we were talking about afterwards, and he said, man, Daniel should, he could make a whole seminar out of that. It just was outstanding. Um, that could be a goal. Go back and listen to that teaching. I mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. Purity may be an area. You know, yes, our generation has been bombarded by internet pornography, and that's a big deal. But sexual sin is not a new area of temptation. You know, the history of the world is filled with men who blow up their lives or discredit their lives and their testimony uh, by sexual sins. Even in the Bible, David, Judah, Samson, Solomon, the wisest man in the world, fell in sexual sin. And for some guys, it's not a big issue. But for many men, it is. And you know, David Paulison wrote an article years ago about slaying the dragon, right? 
He's talking about pornography and sexual fantasy. Slaying the dragon. It's, it's a dragon. But God has given us the tools of grace to slay it. And we must do so, brothers. And again, that's why we want to provide uh, a book study, of uh, ways of coming alongside of you and helping in you that area. Maybe you need to grow in your financial responsibilities. Um, Luke did a great job last year um, outlining areas of stewardship. Um, another area would be just evangelism or, or areas of ministry in the church. Maybe you need to grow there. You want to grow in there. Maybe it's in the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe it's in leadership. We're going to talk about leadership at the retreat. Or maybe there's other areas that I haven't mentioned. But the question is, where do you need to grow? And where do you want to grow? So I want to talk now about um, how do we grow? Well, we grow by Holy Spirit-empowered, grace-reliant effort. It's what Kent Hughes in his book, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, calls holy sweat. Remember I said, we don't do things in our own power, but it does take effort. It's the effort we make as we utilize the avenues of God's grace and power. Just look at our text and some of the description that Paul gives to Timothy. Just try to capture the spirit of what Paul is talking about here in terms of effort. He says, rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And at the end of the passage, Paul writes, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that you all may that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. I I like NIV. It says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know, about a year ago, I I started playing pickleball. And... um, so I, I play with Ken Barnes. He's been a great mentor and teacher. And, um, and I play on Tuesday nights. And I've seen some of the young guys down there playing. And some of them are really good. Um, and I'm, I'm okay for a guy my age. But there's a lot of guys my age that are much better. And the reason is, one of the reasons is, is because they play a lot more. You know, and I, I know that from, they just talk about it. They play two or three or four times a, a week. Uh, I play once a week for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, we need to make effort in the Christian life. We need an understanding that the Christian life and calling is one of a spirit-reliant, robust effort. Again, it's not our power, but it does require our effort. So we grow by effort. We also grow by wisdom and discipline and self-control. But here, I'm not talking about self-sufficiency. You might be tempted to think that I'm talking about having a lot of personal willpower 
And if so, you know you can or you won't be able to keep things up over the long run. Most of us can't. What wisdom calls us to is to order our lives in a way that helps us live a self-controlled life. In his book, Atomic Habits, it's a great book, James Clear, he's not a Christian, but there's a lot of common grace there. He says some helpful things about this area of discipline and self-control. He says this, meaningful change does not require radical change. Now, if you're in serious sin, yeah, there might be some radical change you may you need to do. But he's not talking about that. He's just talking about growing uh, as a person. He says, the more practical way to change who you are is to change what you do. Disciplined people are better at structuring their lives in a way that does not require heroic willpower and self-control. I think there's a lot of this common grace that he's tapped into there. See, we need to build godly habits what the Bible, what some may may call habits of grace. We need to build them into our lives in ways that we'll be able to sustain them over the long term. He also goes on to say, don't overestimate the one defining moment, right? The one moment of inspiration or revelation or spiritual experience. You know, God does meet you sometimes in very big ways. But in my experience, you know, it's not that often, right? We praise God for those things. But that's not most of the Christian life. Most of the Christian life is we grow a little bit by a little bit by a little bit. He says, it's more the little habits done consistently. Success is the product of daily habits. It's a lifestyle change that we are after, even if it takes time to do so. So where do you need to or want to grow and how are you going to get there? See, that's the next thing. How are you going to get there? What are some small steps that, that done consistently will help you bear fruit and grow in Christ? What little habits of grace can you build into your life? Let me give you a couple examples. And what we are, I am wrapping up real soon, but... Here's a couple examples of what that might look like. If you want to grow in leadership in your house, in your home, maybe you take five to 10 minutes every night after dinner and you just lead your your family. Maybe you read from a psalm uh, and talk about it and pray. Maybe you read through a devotional book. I mean, years ago, I I had Luther's catechism that I had from a child, as growing up in the Lutheran church, we went through that. Um, you do that five or 10 minutes every night. That's the beginning of leading your family. Or meditation. Maybe you think, I've never really meditated on the word of God. And so your goal there is every day, you're gonna do that for five minutes. And you do it, maybe, maybe you're driving home or you're driving to work. If you do that every day or four or five times a week, it will change your life. A little thing like that will change your life. Um, or purity. Okay, this maybe, maybe requires a little bit more. Obviously, it's, it's a big deal. Maybe you say, I'm going to attend Fred's book study, 
I'm going to ask a mature believer to be your accountability partner, and you're going to memorize one verse a month in regards to freedom from sin. Again, there may be a lot more that you need to do, but you're beginning to sow things into your life. See, results have little to do with goals. This is is James Clare again. They're very important. But he says, nearly everything you have to do with the systems that you follow. So you have to have a plan. Where do I need to grow? But then you have to say, how am I going to actually walk that out? In closing, let me just mention one other thing. We, we also grow by help from other men. So if your home group has a regular men's get-together, attend it regularly. If not, if they don't, or in addition to it, think about meeting with someone one-on-one and share your goals and your plans to accomplish them. If you're a young believer or you need help in a certain area, then ask an older brother in the Lord to help you. Or maybe it's more of a mutual care relationship. Either way, don't miss out on meeting with other men. I mean, I've been meeting for over 40 years at men, with men at McDonald's or wherever. Uh, it's part of my life, and it's, it's changed me as a man. Uh, the fellowship that we have with other believers. So in wrapping it up, I want to finish by asking you to take two or three minutes and write down a few things for me or for yourself. These are for yourself. The first is to write down where you need to grow and or where you want to grow. Secondly, write down how you're going to accomplish those goals. What small habits are you going to build into your life that will bear fruit? Again, there may be many areas you need to grow in or want to grow in, but just start with one or two or possibly three. Um, What are those areas? And third, consider and write down how other men can help you grow. So three things. Where do I need to grow? Um, How am I going to make that happen? And how can other men help you grow? And if if you want more time to think about it, then write down where you're going to do that and put it in your calendar. Um, No one can do this for you. Um, you God puts that responsibility on us. So let's take two or three minutes to do that. And then Philip, do you have a song for us at the end? Okay. And then we'll wrap up with, with one song.